The security clearance process is complicated. Maybe you find yourself applying for a position with the national security community and then finding yourself with questions you don't know how to answer. Maybe you've held an active security clearance for decades and now find yourself wondering if you need to report that DUI or if your bankruptcy will be flagged under the new continuous vetting program. Security clearance policies are changing and it can be hard to keep up. Whether you're a security clearance applicant, defense industry hiring manager, or government agency, it's okay to have questions. We have the answers. Welcome to Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. Brought to you by your host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com and Sean Bigley with security clearance law firm, Bigley Ranish. Hi, this is Lindy Kaiser and welcome to this episode of Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. It is tax season and so today we are very delighted to have Jennifer Jones. She is with jjonesfinancial.com. She is an enrolled agent and has been a military spouse and tax finance professional for 20 plus years. We know and have talked about the fact that financial issues are a top cause of security clearance denial. And actually, delinquent taxes and tax issues are, I would say, one of the bigger buckets of problems within that set. So I love that Jennifer's here to chat with us and has the experience, again, as a military spouse, being in the military community, knows the clearance and just the importance of those roles and why keeping track of your financials is a career kind of imperative. Thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with me, Jennifer. And what happens if you owe taxes and you can't pay? Can you speak to that? I can definitely talk about that. Actually, I I think that's one of the more common things that I see. And usually not being able to pay your taxes isn't because you're, you know, some kind of tax criminal or anything. A lot of times it's just a result of poor planning with your withholdings. Being delinquent on your tax payments isn't isn't a criminal thing. It's a civil thing. And when you're talking to the IRS about it, they pretty much just want to help you get compliant as fast as you can. Contrary to popular belief, the IRS is not run by vampires, but people do get stressed out about it. And a lot of people's approach to when they're stressed is avoidance. And they'll come with unopened letters and they'll say, I, I want you to tell me what this letter is. Like, well, why, why didn't you open it? Because I was afraid to. It really is, is very, very common. That's so key that you speak to that. I mean, the avoidance factor and how that does not help your cause. Do you come across that folks who have just failed to file taxes, perhaps? And I think that's a big takeaway too. I see that come up folks who have not filed their taxes for a number of years and then apply for a security clearance. And even if they have filed certain years, maybe how do you go back and write the record if you failed to pay in years past? Well, first we look and see what their record is with the IRS. You can actually pull up your own tax records on irs.gov by logging in to your own account. You can see a transcript of all of the tax returns you filed and a listing of your account for how much you owe for which years and what payments you've made. So first we look and see what their record looks like so we can see exactly what years they haven't filed, what years they filed but they haven't paid. We go back as far as we can. A couple years ago, I was a tax professional in Las Vegas, and I had the opportunity to help a gentleman that was trying to retire. He had worked for the school district his entire career, and he had never filed his taxes ever. When he went to retire, the Social Security Administration was like, and who are you? We don't have any work credits for you. 
because you haven't filed your taxes. He was under the assumption that because he had so much money withheld from his checks that he was going to be getting a refund anyway. And you know what? They can just keep it. I I, I think that filing taxes itself was a, a stressful thing for him because he didn't have a lot of tax knowledge. And so avoidance was coming into play there. So we were able to work with the IRS and with Social Security. We were able to see, look, he has this is how much money he was earning for these 10 years. Social Security Administration was able to say, okay, this gives us a good idea of how much he earned for his entire career. And he was able to move forward and receive Social Security benefits. Most people aren't that dramatic. There are people that maybe, you know, had like a death in the family in the spring and just weren't feeling up to tackling anything that was stressful. The number one thing that I have seen talking with people throughout the years whenever they come to me with tax problems is the instantaneous relief that they feel when they talk to somebody that takes a minute and reads the letter with them and lets them know, oh, you know, this isn't that bad. You just forgot a W-2 on your tax return. Let's fix this now. I've gotten a lot of hugs over the years from people leaving my tax office. Hey, there's something about the IRS. People think of it as a big, bad government agency, but maybe speak to that. How can individuals work with the IRS and how do you communicate well if you run into an issue like, oh yeah, I forgot to file that year, you know, when my mom died or something happens You mentioned you can pull up your records on IRS. Is there a process maybe for reaching out to somebody with the IRS? Will they work with you directly to deal with those issues? Is that when you need somebody to come in or? So it's always better to be proactive than reactive, especially if you know that there's something wrong with your taxes. A lot of times I'll do a tax return with a new client and part of my process for intaking new clients is, well, let me see your last tax return or maybe your last few years worth of tax returns if they have a business or a rental property. I may find issues with previously filed tax returns and it's always up to them whether or not they want to amend the return, but I always let them know it's way better for us to address the issue now and fix it before you get a letter from the IRS. IRS agents are just like you and me. They get dressed and they kiss their wife goodbye and they go to the office and they pack their lunch and they just want to get their job done. And whatever you can do to make their job easier for them, they will bend over backwards to help you. But yes, you want to talk to a tax professional and not all tax professionals are the same. If you go down to, you know, random retail people that you see on TV in advertising kind of places, those tax offices have tax preparers. They may only have one enrolled agent or a CPA that helps with like a the whole city or a region, I wouldn't recommend going to a tax preparation place. I would seek out an enrolled agent, a CPA. If you're picking a CPA though, you want to make sure that you're going to a CPA that specializes in taxation. There are all kinds of specialties with doctors. The exact same thing is with a CPA. CPAs have wide, wide range of issues that they deal with. You may go to a CPA office that only deals with internal financial 
audits and not the IRS at all. Enrolled agents are really a good choice. They specialize in taxation, complex taxation, and representation. We don't have the other pieces of the pie that the CPA has, but enrolled agents, CPAs, and tax attorneys all have the same rights and responsibilities with the IRS. The complexity of filing taxes these days is something that's kind of worth noting and and when to bring in a professional, because I have even heard from a lot of people this year with dependent care, tax credits, and things being what they are. You know, if you've done your taxes yourself or always done them a certain way, it's, you know, the tax code doesn't change the same, you know, year to year. There are changes and changes in how you file. And again, we see sometimes the pitfalls come in with somebody who thinks they know the process or thinks they know, oh, hey, I'm going to get a refund or, but that's not necessarily the case. So that's where, like you said, a tax professional can look at your finances and advise you and give you that input. Well, there are changes built in to every tax code that's adopted by Congress just to handle the amount of expected inflation. So for example, your standard deduction will be different every year. Different credits you know, will either go up or down by a little bit of money. So at least the dollar values are changing. But sometimes the rules completely go on their ear and there's radical change to the tax code, like with the CARES Act, where we had suddenly all of the standard deductions were doubled and a lot of things that people were claiming before, like uh, work from home expenses or, hey, I'm a, a laborer and I bought a bunch of tools and I travel around in my truck and stuff like that, were no longer things that they could deduct, but were kind of built in agreement that they had with their employers before that, you know, I'll, I'll pay you this much, but you're handling your own expenses. It is a good idea whenever there's a big change in taxes. Even if you are a spectacular do-it-yourselfer, it's good to at least the first year find out, okay, this is how the changes affect me and my family and what I need to do proactively throughout the year to guarantee that I have the best outcome when it's time to do taxes. Because we can't go back. If you didn't have money taken out of your paycheck, then there's nothing that we can do about that now. If you didn't save your receipts from when you were doing random business related things, we can kind of reconstruct that, but it's a lot better to be proactive than reactive when it comes to taxes. And so, you know, you're a military spouse, you've been in the national security kind of space military community. Have you noticed any common pitfalls for someone who maybe for service members, military, you know, those in this space, any tax issues that you think are more likely to come up or just things in general to be aware of? Well, I think one of the big things with the military community is uh, military families may not be aware of how the military spouse really fact affects them and their family, especially with military spouses who are gaining employment uh, at their new duty station. Like if they lived in the Washington, D.C. area, they may live in Alexandria. Their job might be in Maryland. Their husband's home of record might be California. They got married in Arizona and they don't know how <laughs> to have withholding with their taxes. What, what, what do they do? Speaking with somebody, especially like if, if you're starting employment so that you can plan what your withholdings should be for which state. In this case, military spouse who lives in Virginia, works in Maryland, spouse's home of record is in California. They have three different states that are saying they want money from them and that they have claim to 
And so really having somebody who can tease it out for them is a big thing. You're making me think that every time I start a new job, I should consult a tax professional as like forget career planning. I think the tax portion part of it might be a consideration and where you're choosing to work. We think of that and kind of like where we're choosing to live and the tax rates and property taxes, but the employment side of it makes a difference too. I know for me and my family, my husband, he's a JAG officer with the army. Being compliant with his taxes is very, very important because if he's not compliant with taxes, he could lose his law license. He could lose his security license. And with me, if our family wasn't tax compliant, I could lose my enrolled agent license. That's a designation that I received directly from the IRS. I have a whole range of ethics and responsibilities that I have to be certified as compliant on or I am not going to be allowed to represent anybody, including myself. <laughs> well, I won't have an enrolled agent like yeah. that. No, I mean, there's career implications for you know following rules. So, Well, there are a lot of different things with taxes. Sometimes people think that they can just file bankruptcy and that will help them with their taxes. That will jeopardize your security clearance and won't help you with the IRS. So definitely speaking with you know, a professional who knows what they're doing and has experience in your issue before you make any rash decisions yourself is good. And fixing the issue, if you do honestly owe money to the IRS because you haven't filed, get that return filed as soon as you can. If the issue is that you can file it, but you don't have the money to pay it, there's steps that you can use to remedy that. Tell the IRS, yes, I owe this money. This is my personal information. This is how much I can pay a month. And you have up to seven years to make monthly payment on that tax agreement. And if your situation is so dire that, you know, that installment agreement is not going to work for you, that you're not going to be compliant with that, that's when you're going to want to look into doing an offer and compromise. And that's where you say, okay, IRS, I understand that I owe you $100,000, but there's no way I'm ever going to be able to pay that. I'm going to offer you maybe $30,000 and I can make installment payments on that, you know, for the next five years or whatever, the IRS is going to be a lot more likely to work with you and get you compliant. So with security clearances, what they're looking for is that you're compliant. So even if you have not paid everything that you've owed to the IRS, as long as you are in a payment agreement with them and you're you're making the payments, you haven't you know, skipped any, that counts as being compliant. Honestly, you just want to address that issue head on proactively with a professional who knows what to do and can help you. There's really not a bad income that that is absolutely going to happen in your case. No, I love that. I mean, that's the government cares about compliance, you know, and so again, even if you owe money, even if you have difficulties paying, showing that you're in a payment plan, that you're taking the steps to pay it, is really key. So again, don't forget, file your taxes, everyone. Now is the time or file an extension. <laughs> you can't file right now, or if you can't find a certified professional to help you between now and then. Thank you so much, Jennifer Jones, jjonesfinancial.com for chatting with us and providing this insight and information. I think it's 
super useful. Again, as we head into tax season, I just continue to see tax issues come up and I hate that. So make sure file your taxes or file an extension, but make sure that you are compliant with the IRS. Thank you again so much, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Attorney advertisement, not a guarantee or warranty of results. I'm attorney Sean Bigley. The denial or revocation of your security clearance is a devastating blow, but effective legal representation can make a difference. Contact my team at Bigley Ranish LLP for a free case evaluation. Find us online at biglylaw.com. Federal security clearances are all we do. Welcome back to Security Clearance Insecurity. I am attorney Sean Bigley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. We are talking this segment about nanny taxes and your security clearance. And if you're listening, you may be scratching your head going, what on earth do nanny taxes have to do with my security clearance? And for some of you, you may be asking, what are nanny taxes, right? Well, we're going to fill you in on that. As it turns out, this is something that you probably should be aware of if you have children and you are uh, hiring anybody to work in your home. Lindy, I think those people who do have some exposure to this issue, it's probably through the media. And we see this, I think, in, in just about every presidential administration where somebody's nominated for a high level position and they go through the vetting, lo and behold, uh, they have to withdraw from the process because they hired somebody who was in the country without work authorization, or they hired somebody and paid them under the table for, you know, domestic services, watching their kids or, you know, cleaning their home or something along those lines where, you know, the person is viewed as as an employee, as opposed to, you know, somebody that you pay who maybe owns an independent business or service and they come in to your house once a week or once a month to do something. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about they live in your home, for example. That's a common one. You know, the the au pair where somebody is a busy professional and they have young kids and they've hired uh, an au pair who lives in their home and they are clearly an employee as opposed to a separate business owner who's hired for to provide a service or a contractor or something like that. And, you know, it tanks their application. They, they wind up having to withdraw from what would have been a tremendous opportunity because they, they didn't pay the taxes on, you know, somebody that they hired or because they hired somebody without work authorization. So have you seen this issue come up outside of that process or is that typically where you've, you've seen it as well? Oh, I mean, no, we see it all the time. DC Metro, man, it's a childcare is expensive, people. If you find a nanny, you, you're going to take that nanny. You're not going to ask a lot of questions. You don't ask too many questions. This comes up on our threads and forums, you know, cyclically every so often we'll have somebody. We had a recent one. Somebody was applying for a position with the CIA and they realized through that process, oh, they had this long term nanny. A, paying her under the table, and B, she was also not not a U.S. citizen. And actually what came up through the thread is like the bigger issue was the failure to pay taxes on the nanny versus the citizenship. Like the, there were more potential mitigations on the, on the citizenship than on the failure to pay taxes because there was just an issue of like they had avoided payroll taxes on this person for three years. She was actually at least trying to get citizenship. So they were trying to mitigate that by going back and paying the past taxes which is a good step. I think we always say like if the more you can do on the front end before you apply, financial considerations are a top cause of clearance denial and revocation. You might potentially have some foreign influence issues depending on country of origin for your household help. But I actually see foreign influence issues lesser used than the financial issues of, hey, you know, if you want to work for the government, you've got to pay your taxes. That's kind of important. 
I agree uh, completely. I mean, you know, if you have a nanny who's, you know, from China, for example, who's living in your house, that that's going to probably raise some eyebrows. But by and large, most of these cases involve people from, you know, I, I'll say more benign countries. It's not really viewed as a huge foreign influence risk because there's not leverage there per se. I mean, obviously somebody watching your kids, I mean, that <laughs> that's that's theoretically leverage, but most of these situations, they're backwards looking. Like, you know, I hired a nanny and, and had a nanny a couple years ago and she's no longer you know in my employ. That is, uh, I, I agree with you completely, the, the lesser of the issue usually. We also see personal conduct come up as a big issue in these cases where the government says, hey, you know, you willfully tried to skirt the law here. We have an issue with that. So I guess, you know, there's a couple flavors of these sort of cases in my experience. One is the people who just really have no clue that they have an obligation to do this. And when my children were young, we had some assistance with babysitting and it was sort of a gray area where they were, you know, certainly not living in our house. They weren't here all the time, but I sort of thought, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to take the risk. Let's just do this totally above board and by the book. And so we did the payroll taxes on them. We paid the unemployment taxes. It was it was a hassle. We had to file paperwork every year, had to pay, I, I think by the end of it, thousands of dollars in FICA taxes and unemployment taxes. So I certainly get why people don't want to do it. But, you know, the folks who are the willful evaders where, you know, you clearly knew that this was something you had to do and, and you didn't do it, those are the bigger problem. If it was an honest mistake and it was a small amount of money, you know, it's it's a little more forgivable. Obviously, there's there's sort of a spectrum there. Yeah. And I do think taking the steps to mitigate it, if you, fi- if you discover it's an issue, because we have this other side of it too, that, you know, sometimes folks just don't want to do anything about it. Again, I certainly empathize with that. If you found somebody that, you know, quality childcare, you don't want to go back. Or like you said, the financial costs of it. But that's where you have to decide, like, how important is the security clearance to you? Because, yeah, if you have especially full-time household help, which is how I see it come up in the questions to our site a lot, and you're trying to hide that, like you said, that will be a a personal conduct issue. Have you seen, I mean, do you have examples maybe of anybody that you've seen the nanny become an issue for a clearance denial or revocation? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen it a handful of times. It's, it's you know, certainly not a super common issue that we encounter, but, you know, we get it, I would say maybe once a year as an issue. And usually, you know, when it comes up, it's a potentially dicey issue because it's oftentimes a long-term arrangement. And so, you know, it's rare that you get somebody that's hired a nanny or, you know, frankly, anybody else to work in their home as an employee. And it's just a temporary like, you know, oh, I hired them for six months. Like that's unusual. If you're going to go through that process to vet and to hire somebody, usually it's a long term arrangement. And so now we're talking, okay, you know, you haven't filed or paid taxes as required on this person for five years. And (laughs) we're sort of adding up the back taxes and the penalties and it's getting, you know, to be this very large number. And we're looking at this person going, "Eh, this is not going to look good. So that can be certainly problematic. But it's funny, just recently, I was talking with somebody about not this issue in particular, but the articles that I've written over the years for clearance jobs. And I was telling them, you know, yeah, I've written, I think something like 400 articles by this point. And they said to me rather incredulously, how do you still have material to talk about? I sort of chuckled. It it is, uh, you know, sometimes a bit of a head scratcher thinking of new and and creative material that folks are going to actually want to read. What I always come back to is security clearances 
touch a lot of different aspects of people's lives. And it's not just limited to the workplace. You know, yes, this is a work-related issue, but because they're evaluating your entire life, essentially, in determining whether or not to grant the clearance, there are so many times when these sort of seemingly bizarre issues come up and it keeps it interesting. And, and so there are other issues that are similar to this that will on rare occasion come up. I think one time we had a case many years ago involving someone who was uh, like owned a trucking business or something and they hadn't paid fuel excise tax. We had to research that and figure out what is fuel excise tax. I've never even heard of that. Turns out it's a thing. So there are a lot of you know, very obscure issues like this that do come up. And it's, I'm not saying that, you know, people have to live their lives in paranoia, but, you know, if you're going to embark on something like hiring an employee that you've never done before, you really ought to think about getting some professional assistance from an accountant or, you know, a tax preparer or something like that before you go down that road. You know, on the nanny issue, there are a lot of services out there because they know that this is such a hassle and a pain point. So there are a variety of resources that you can go to. And I think being proactive and saying, like, again, if you need a security clearance to do your job, then it will be worth that third party investment to even help somebody help you manage this process to make sure you're doing it on the up and up. And having a paper trail is always key. I mean, that's usually helpful if you are denied a clearance and you need to kind of prove your case is showing like, hey, these are the proactive steps I took once I realized I wasn't paying payroll tax and I was actually supposed to be paying them. I went and did XYZ. Here's the documentation. Here's the website I used. You can't back it up and you're saying, oh no, I did start to pay or I'd ask my nanny to do that. Well, again, depending on the clearance level, they might be talking to that person. The other way I've seen it come up too, again with the nannies, is folks have been concerned that their illegal nanny will get deported. And so we've touched on this beginning by saying that's not the bigger issue. And no, the security clearance process does not want to deport your illegal nanny. That's my take. Yeah. You know, the paper trail, as you said, is hugely important. And it it is a good point that there are a lot of services online now that make it very easy, (laughs) weren't necessarily around when I was having to deal with payroll tax issues for our nanny, uh, unfortunately. But there are some great resources um, that you can use for help on the internet. As to the other issue, that's an interesting one. If you have somebody who you're employing who is in the country illegally, that can become a problem. Is it something that typically comes up in the security clearance background investigation? Not necessarily. You know, for most folks who are applying for a secret or a top secret clearance, it's not ever going to be a line of questioning. But if it does come to the government's attention, or if you are going for a position that requires a polygraph or any sort of additional vetting, it certainly can. And if it does, it can actually tank the clearance prospects. And we have, believe it or not, seen that happen where the government has said, you are in effect harboring an illegal alien in your home and you're supporting them financially. You are in violation of the law. It's become an issue for folks. So If you are thinking about employing somebody, I would add that, you know, one of the very important steps that you need to be taking in addition to getting the payroll tax situation in order is verifying their employment eligibility. And, you know, that is an obligation that every employer has. Even if you're just a household employer, you have very specific things that the government requires you to do. There are resources for that available online as well. That's the key takeaway. Make sure you know the law if you would like to apply for a security clearance. Thank you for listening to this episode of Security Clearance Insecurity. 
Please note the information provided on this program is intended as general information only and should not be construed as legal advice. Consult a security clearance attorney regarding your specific situation. Have a question about security clearance process? Interested in submitting your own topic for security clearance insecurity? Have a question you'd like us to address on a future episode? Drop us an email, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for tuning in to Security Clearance Insecurity with your host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com and Sean Bigley of security clearance law firm, Bigley Ranish. Join us next time as we continue to answer all the questions about security clearance careers you have, but we're too afraid to ask your security manager.